Hi everybody and welcome back to B2B Nav. This week we are going to be discussing the topic of rebranding uh, as a general topic. So it's something we've uh, recently been through uh, here at BDB, um, refreshing our own brand. Um, and you'll notice we have a, an extra special guest with us on the podcast this week in the form of Sam. So you'll have heard me shouting, Sam, how long have we got left? And Sam, uh, what's going on? And that kind of thing, join these podcasts. Um, Sam's uh, one of the uh, younger guys in our team and also heads up the 99p Gen Z podcast that uh, we put out from the younger guys in our team to give a different perspective on issues like this. So um, Sam is a budding creative, so we thought we would bring him into the mix here to kind of have a chat with us. So uh, hi, Sam. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. It's an honor. Do you, do you want to kick us off, John, in the sense of, I guess, you know, um, during this period of downtime at the minute, if we can call it that, or a period of people working from home with a bit more time on their hands, I think we're seeing more and more clients turn to looking at brand and maybe reactivating projects they've had on hold for a while. Yeah. Um, what do you think's the root cause of that, I guess, in terms of branding being quite at the forefront for the meantime? Yeah, there's... It tends to boil down to probably a few specific things as to mm -hmm. why people feel that the need to do it. I think you're right. Time on your hands and kind of looking for things to do at this point in the world is probably a very high on that list. But you tend to find it's things like internationalization, you know, when mm -hmm. people want to kind of create a consistent image across multiple markets. Yeah. Um, Good example of that, and apologies, Sam, you're, you're not going to get this cultural reference, but <laughs> Opal Fruits. Oh, yeah. Starburst. So, yeah. back in the day. I'll nod, I'll nod. Starburst <laughs> to you. But, you know, they went through a process of internationalization, so they wanted to kind of cut, you know, having multiple brands in multiple territories. Mm -hmm. Same with Snickers. So, what was that called previously in the UK? Marathon. Oh, oh nice. Oh, hello. Good knowledge. Again, it's another example of it, or SIF, which used to be called GIF. Yeah, yeah. And what they've done is they thought, right, if we rationalise our brand, what we can do, or rationalise the articulation of it, what we can do is create economies of scale with the marketing, mm -hmm. that what theoretically one marketing programme can then work globally. Yeah, okay. So that's one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Repositioning. So... I guess in our world, and you know, jump in here, Matt, if you mm. at any point. But I think our journey as BDB, yeah, has been it's been, and it's an ongoing one. So it's not kind of like we're we're there yet. We're not the finished article, but we've kind of gone from being a very well regarded international PR agency, and we're kind of taking ourselves on this journey to reflect. I guess the nature of what we do as a business now, which is much more consultative, much more yeah. kind of partnering with clients at the beginning of the journey, the Marcom's journey. Mm -hmm. And our brand is now moving away from what I would call a traditional agency brand more towards, and yeah, very consciously towards the McKinsey's, the Accenture's, the Cajuncy look and feel. Yeah. 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 Very much. So. And that's, we've kind of built that into kind of the long, you know, short, medium, long-term journey of the business that there would be these stages where we'd, go through kind of a brand evolution so that's i think it's i think it's exactly that john i think i think it's exactly that in the sense of it is a journey and i think you and it, it's constantly a moving feast i think is the other thing that you you can't afford to let your brand stand still um and i think also linked to where you want to be from a, a proposition perspective and um a an externally 
client or customer facing perspective equally internal internal branding and the employer brand probably mm. has also forced not forced but also led bdb to adapt their our own brand and our own positioning and look and feel and that's to cater for individuals like uh, like sam i guess who are in the team um whereas cause how, how do you feel about, about that sam from an, like an employer branding perspective is that something you're consciously aware of these days when looking at a, a company to potentially join or, or work for or with yeah I, I think it's it's huge for me looking at um sort of the, you know the content they're putting out you get a look and feel for it and i think with us sort of changing brand well while i've been here mm-hmm. um i think that the people we've brought on board we've become quite well we're even more sort of diverse and mm-hmm. we've got a lot of skill sets so i think the, the branding now reflects that yeah. a bit more and it has this sort of more um it, it feels like a collective almost um yeah. and you know we bring all these skill sets together and I, I think you could sort of see that from before i joined and i i looked at bdb and you, you start to see oh you know there's it's quite a lot going on here and mm-hmm. um and you, you start to see the different elements of what makes bdb and, and now i think we've brought that together quite nicely with the sort of images and the the brand we've put forward yeah okay and then Ollie, I guess I'm, from your perspective, obviously, we've just been through the rebrand R and here and, you know, one of the, the, the flagship pieces, I guess, to that puzzle is the, is the website, um, mm-hmm. which I know you probably smirk at. It's been, it's been painful, but we got there in the end. And I think, I think it's interesting, I suppose, guess, from a client perspective, when they tackle a website project, it's challenging and, you know, internally doing our own is it's equally challenging with the uh, stakeholder management and, uh, and also content population, I guess, is the other thing as well. But um, what other aspects of a like a rebrand or or a refresh from a digital and tech standpoint, I guess, are important to weave into that those considerations alongside website? I guess is one of the critical ones. But. Um, well, you obviously got things like all your your social platforms, all the different various places where your company really does live and breathe these days. Mm-hmm. Online. Uh, but it obviously goes wider than that too. Um, people, you can't control what everybody's done, but people will have been using your logo for one reason or another for years. Um, so within reason, you're going to want to try and get some of those things updated too. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a listing on a, on an industry relevant website, for example, or a trade publication, you're going to want those updated. You obviously can't control what, you know, somebody went and posted on Twitter about you two years ago and things like that. Sure. Um, so there is an awful lot of places that you you probably haven't considered where your, where your presence is felt online and your brand does need to be you know kept up to date. Yeah. Okay. And in terms of the, the website process itself, um, obviously we went through the kind of uh, refresh kind of site mapping and, and UX and that side of things alongside the brand. Do they live and breathe in the same environment? Does the brand and kind of the user experience sit together? Or do you, from a digital standpoint, see that as you know, brands kind of sorted, look, feel, and then user experience is kind of separate? Or Yeah, I think, I think it's almost, and, and we could have John's input here in a minute mm. as well, but I it's like the the website takes some guidance or a lot of guidance from the brand mm-hmm. but it needs to be able to flex because the requirements of of your website are quite different to the requirements of brand guidelines so brand guidelines are often quite fixed and it'll say things like word documents need to have these kind of headers powerpoint documents need to have these kind of headers and then you start thinking well, well if that's what a header looks like and that's what our welcome looks like that's how it translates to online that often doesn't really work because we're now in a different environment where people's expectations of your website are more influenced by their expectations and what they've seen on other websites as opposed to your brand guidelines. Mm-hmm. So it's basically trying, I would say, trying to 
mold those slightly and flex the brand guidelines slightly. So it still feels very much in, in line with your brand, but you're not having to damage your user experience because you're, you're limited to what's in the brand guidelines. Yeah. I, think, I think you're right there, Ollie. I mean, I, you, you, you used the right word there. Like I always refer people back to the fact that they're called brand guidelines, <laughs> yeah, you say not that. brand rules. And <laughs> yeah. you'll all have heard me say that to people and clients and mm-hmm. the like. And I think we, when we did our process, we kind of took all the learnings from every experience and every rebrand we've done with a client organization. And yeah. I certainly went through it in my head of thinking, well, actually, how would I want this to be from an ideal perspective? Mm-hmm. Almost like a use case. So we know, you know, what's worked and what hasn't and really play it through. Yeah. And I think, I mean, we started the journey on the the rebrand you know months and months and months ago and i think it was around discussing the brand values and yeah. our mission statement yeah and that's what started it so actually we we kind of got a feeling of what we stand for yeah what our why is you know what our brand values are what the personality of our brand is before we even put pen to paper i think in fact probably the last thing that we did was look at well what's the logo look like mm-hmm and interestingly, our logo is a clear playback to the kind of the four pillars of the business and mm-hmm. the four brand values that we've got and them coming together. And as Sam said, you know, it's, a, it's an amalgamation of different skill sets, different people, different kind of ideas, different working practices mm-hmm. that makes it. So the logo reflects the essence of what we've, what we've got at BDB. Yeah. And it was it wasn't like the first part of the journey was, hey, Matt, we've got a new logo. What do you think? Isn't that yeah, great? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like, we've done all this hard work and actually the, the thing that got said was actually, look at the logo. Our, our previous logo does not reflect anything mm. about the business that we are today. In fact, the previous logo has been with the business since 1987. Yeah. But yeah. one little change that we made in 2016, 17. Dropping the red. Well, we dropped the red out of it. Mm-hmm. And so how could that logo possibly reflect a business that works in an industry that changes year on year, month on month in terms of what's kind of important, how people work, process, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we did all that. And then I think the website becomes its own project within that. So back to the original point of them being guidelines, we were very clear that, our our brand is organic enough to be able to work in different ways in different environments so while our powerpoints and our word documents look very similar they are different and they're different because they're different media yeah equally the website is different but for set is familial i think the the beauty for me is now it it finally all hangs together Mm. and that's what um i know it's been a journey and it's just me being impatient but in the sense of it's you impatient well you know yeah i, I, I take no. that I take that on the chin but in the sense of it's more of a um f- f- finally it feels like everything hangs together is what i mean so it feels like it feels and looks like it's part of the same family yeah. and, and i feel from a customer centricity point of view and employee centricity like the likes of sam on the team of you want it to feel consistent like it's not an afterthought no it fits um, everything fits and does yeah what it needs to do at the point it needs to do it I guess, so to from, all your, these... from, from your perspective, Sam, because I guess from the um, like brand guidelines there were obviously referenced at various at various junctures in the conversation there. But you know, I kind of 
I kind of view you as a little internal creative at our place, I guess. So like almost like an in-house person would be a client. How important to you are brand guidelines when you're given a project? So somebody says, can you do a video for us? Can you do this social media post for us? Whatever. Is it instinctively, do you want to run off in your own direction or are brand guidelines helpful for somebody like yourself? I think I liked what John said when he said the guidelines, not rules, because mm -hmm. I think you need to, to look at those guidelines and interpret something. And it's, it's really difficult to do, to look at something and say, you know, I'm going to do it the, the way they want it, but with my sort of spin on it. And you have to be careful about how much you spin it because you don't want it to lose direction. Yeah. Um, but they're really, you know, they're, they're a guide to guide that process. And they almost skip a step of communication where instead of me having to sit down with John or whoever's providing the guidelines and say, how should this look? And, you know, does this look right? You can say, well, here's a, you know, baseline. And then you can, develop from that further and um and maybe push your push your look a little bit yeah um but yes yeah, so i think they're really helpful um i think they're they're needed really for anything just to have the the coverage and that that baseline it's almost a template to build off of and in terms of i don't know my, my personal experience with clients and internally for ourselves is and i think i've referenced it previously on the podcast is everything feels out of sync at various points so the, the most companies we work with have a set of brand guidelines that were done at some point in their history. I suppose it's the, it's the easiest catch all way to summarize that, but then they've got PowerPoints that have gone off in a direction, people creating their own word documents. They've got values and missions that maybe have been updated and mishmashed over the years or changed and, you know, so on logos may have been tweaked for things like anniversaries or, or, uh, different evolutions, new businesses coming on board through M&As and that kind of thing. At what point do you say, John, I guess, right, we've got to draw the line of the sand here and, and attack it from the, I say bottom up, or is that impossible? Uh, nothing's impossible, but it can be incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I think bottom up is, it's always going to be a struggle. And I think particularly if you're dealing with larger organisations with multiple offices multiple territories multiple kind of sectors that they serve you know whatever it might be if you if you start in a bottom-up perspective you're always starting from a single point mm -hmm. that's got to then radiate back out whereas if you go top down yeah kind of take a much more holistic approach to it and deliver something that you can then adapt across those segments so rather than the tail wagging the dog you mm -hmm. can start to kind of affect things and filter it through in a more controlled way. Yeah. Because what you find, bottom up, what you find is one one small thing will be absolutely resolved. Yeah. Beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. And elegantly and work perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then it will be thrown into the kind of the real world, and it won't be appropriate for another part of the business, or yeah. it just won't resonate, or something like that. So it's always got to be really top down, and that so, goes for, yeah. you know. The CEO, the managing director, the board, whoever it is. I mean, that takes me to probably the next point, actually, in why people rebrand. And that's because a new CEO comes in, <laughs> which sounds really weird. But yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, I, don't, I, I, bought, I bought a green company. I don't like green companies. I want a blue company. Let's no, rebrand to a blue. People company. are always keen to put their own stamp on it without doubt, aren't they? I guess. And that's what I think. I think even CC with CMOs, don't you? And CEOs, what one of the two roles when people yeah. join typically they're not satisfied with it and want to be seen to add value or seen to drive the brand. So forward. there'll always be a repitch. There'll always be yeah. a beauty parade. 
yeah. hate that phrase, but it, no, no. it's that, you know, where yeah. I'm going to bring the agencies in and I'm going to have a look and I'm going to be the big kind of mm-hmm. big I am around it. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to kind of be really careful at yeah. that point that it isn't, isn't just becoming a vanity project for an individual. You know, you've still got to be back in those business objectives as to why you'd rebrand. Rebranding so, uh, is not an aesthetic exercise. It's a business kind of, op- it's a business opportunity, but you've got to know why you're doing it. Yeah. And I guess setting, setting the tone at the top, Ollie, um, equally filters through to kind of your online presence or digital presence. So like we referenced the website earlier, how important do you see that for a central function to control that brand from a digital standpoint as well? Because I'm thinking of clients that we work with here where they've got, you know, they operate in 50 plus countries, 10, yeah. 15, 20 very disparate business groups and so on. And everybody wants to go off and do their own thing. Um, whether that's site pages, social media handles, you name it. Yeah, Again, I think we might have touched on this on a previous podcast in, mm. in some capacity, but and possibly with regards to social guidelines and things mm. like that as well, because it, it very much applies and it's particularly hard for some of our larger clients. And I guess it really depends on the nature of your setup, the nature of your teams, how much independency you want them to have from a central team. Mm-hmm. I think it is important to have somebody that has sight of everything that's going on, um, as well as that central set of rules that people can follow. So that um, yeah, you, can, you can start to dial things back if people have gone too far. Because um, I think we do see quite often that, that that does happen. You know, it's often like a salesperson has decided to throw together a, a different look and feel of image and then put that on their social in line with brand guidelines or in some cases, uh, government regulation. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think it is important um, to have guidelines and prices in place and ideally have some level of central control but realistically, with some of the type of companies we're talking about, you just don't have the manpower in a central team to manage everyone. So I think it's more that touchy in keeping an eye on things rather than needing to sign off everything that every region, every team produces. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that takes a brave business as well, doesn't it? I mean, I know certainly when we've had opportunities or we've met with clients or we've kind of discussed things with them, mm-hmm. You know, it can be equally terrifying to hear the word centralized marketing team as it can to be here decentralized yeah. marketing team. Yeah, yeah. Dependent on how iron the rod is that's kind of guarding the shit. And it can be, you know, centralized marketing can, marketing can be amazing, yeah. as can decentralized marketing. I think the problem is with a lot of larger organizations, it kind of pivots too far one way or the other and they don't understand that they can they can work together so actually the centralized team should sit there as a kind of a, a guide or a sage or some sort of yeah i don't know yoda like figure who kind of opine <laughs> wisdom and then the other guys can go out and do it mm-hmm. and I feel think, innate, empowered and enabled to I do think it an important point here as well is that the central team won't have visibility in most cases of every different use case and every different scenario mm-hmm. that the regional team um, will be facing. So if you try and lock things down too much, it'll be like, here's your template that you must always use. And then you'll get the regional team looking and go, well, this just doesn't work for how we're doing things a lot of the time. Yep. Uh, that's important that's, to have that. That's look. where the guidance comes in and that idea of giving people 
not enough rope to hang themselves with, but giving people that flexibility that Sam mentioned. Mm -hmm. Okay, here is a set of design principles that we would like you to use within every piece of collateral that you deliver. You know, we're all adults. We should all be able to then work within that and kind of, as long as you apply these principles, you, you can develop whatever you need, whether it's a, I don't know, 30 page a5 pdf or mm-hmm. a set of banners for an exhibition Just i think at, le- at, le- at least it gives you the ability to act as the brand police and pull people back in doesn't it to say that is not in line with our brand guidelines because i know i've seen clients struggle with that where they're perhaps perhaps taking a slightly looser approach to brand guidelines as an afterthought and therefore they're constantly fighting that battle of well that isn't right and then somebody will say well tell me what is right then yeah. at no point have you actually informed me what's right and you know we've had that internally at our place haven't we as the brand guidelines have evolved over time yeah. and even presentation guidelines versus brand guidelines versus to do it's, so it's so finding that's water's edge isn't it for mm. your business because every business is different yeah. and every business operates in a different way and has different struggles and troubles along the way but yeah each one has its own little meter and its own like heartbeat of how far and how intelligent people are in the application of those guidelines. Yeah. 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 You know, absolutely. We see it. We see it a lot. You know, sometimes there's a need for benign dictatorship and sometimes yeah. there is that need allowance of flexibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. I guess Sam, while, while we've got you with us, you might become a regular spot, who knows? But while, while we've got you on this week, one of the things I, I wanted to touch on with you, particularly around kind of brand and then maybe, going slightly out here but it's relevant for a lot of client projects at the minute when we're looking at um employee or employer employee value propositions in terms of i guess piecing together there's the brand element of it then you've kind of got what sits behind that being values and mission statements i guess in terms of the inspirational side of what 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 employers try to do and i guess i can only speak on behalf of myself here in my generation um I consider myself the generation where values and mission statement weren't quite as important. And I can only speak about myself here. I'm not kind of about every, every colleague I've ever worked with, but we, I think we were the generation who just got the head down, did 80 hour weeks, slogged it out as hard as you could to earn as much as you could and get bonused as heavy as you could through, through all that hard work. Whereas certainly the media would have you believe and listening to your podcast and speaking to the younger guys in our team, and it came up on a call early with a client. This assumption that Gen Zs are more interested in having a uh, a corporately responsible and socially aware company, you know, backed up by strong visions and values and mission statements, than than certain other elements like reward and benefit and all the other stuff that it may be. How, how true is that? How important to you? when you're thinking about working for somebody is are the values and the mission statement, I guess is the question. I think the, I think they're, they're important enough that you have to sort of buy into them. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think now you have brands and companies almost have a sort of personality to them. And when you say the, the values, a lot of our values are reflective of the, the values of a person, you know, yep. so I could share values with uh, BDB quite easily. Mm-hmm. And so I think you have to, you have to like that person that the brand is and you have to, you know, you have to buy into it and say, if I'm going to work at this company, I can reflect um, the the personality of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, it's quite important that if you're going into a company and they're putting forward something that you can't reflect yourself, 
I, I don't think that company is probably right for you. Um, would you would you consciously go as far to you know you've been you're looking for a job you've been invited for an interview. Would you, be, would you be looking at values and mission statement as your research? Is, is that something you do? Or are you more bothered about base salary and opportunity and growth? I don't know. Or I don't know. It's just it's a, it's a genuine debate I keep having with myself all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's an interesting one. Um, and I think a lot of it, it's, it's quite weird because when you have things like base salary opportunities, it's normally sort of, you know, numbers on a page, word on a page. Mm-hmm. Um, I think values is better reflected by the people in the company. If I sit and read a sheet that says, this is our values. Mm -hmm. Okay. Someone's like, you know, wrote them down, but, but do they truly believe them? Whereas if you see someone like yourself or, I mean, everyone in this call is a, as a sort of business leading people, Mm -hmm. if you reflect those values as, as part of you and you communicate professionally, Mm -hmm. then to me, I'll, I'll buy into that a lot easier. You know, if, if you're, um, so, you know, at BDB, we have like, we embrace challenges. Mm-hmm. So if you as a business leader is embracing those challenges and tackling them head on, I'm quite likely to go, oh, okay, you know, I, I buy onto this. I, I like this. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's just written down, you sort of think, uh, you know, do they or? And how, how, would you, how would you qualify that prior to working somewhere? Is that where the social media presence comes in, Ollie? Is that where you think there's an opportunity there or? I think so. I think that's where we see a lot of people using social media, uh, certain, certain platforms anyway, LinkedIn, Instagram often end up being one of the places that you can really kind of endorse the, uh, the company and what it's like to work at that company. And you can mm-hmm. see a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes in those platforms as well. Um, sometimes you'll see some of that presence on the website, but I think a little bit like Sam says, I suppose, the website's a bit more like seeing it written down and social media is a bit, a bit closer to seeing somebody kind of living and breathing it i suppose yeah yeah okay cool um is there anything else anybody else wants to add on this because i guess we've, we've, we've strayed away from branding like we tend to but it kind of does touch so many other areas of a, of a business and a plan and uh the kind of corporate footprint so anything else to add john given it's your it's your baby this area i mean you know we could it's interesting what sam says and i think it's probably if we're going to do like key takeaways what sam said about believing in believing in the top of the tree believing in it Mm -hmm. that's kind of the best bit of advice in terms of you asked earlier bottom up top down for rebrand how can you possibly believe in a Mm rebrand if it's four or five management layers away from the leaders of the business i think the challenge the challenge there my personal personal experience and challenge is making sure the the values and the mission statement are are a, a yeah like a, a an acknowledgement of the leader's personality, but isn't the leader's personality? Yeah, if that yeah, makes yeah. if that makes sense, and that's I think that's a tough balance to get through because not everybody's the same in the business. You want to promote diversity. Everybody will have different, um, and that's why I think when we did our values, mm. there are I can recognise elements of you, elements mm. of me, elements yeah. of Ollie, yeah. elements of people, yeah. lots of people throughout the business. Yeah. But it's almost like some of the values are much more, you know, that's, I look at it, I go, that's a Matt value. Yeah. yeah. Do you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And it's kind yeah. of. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't but, overlook that with you in terms of the, the time and effort we spent no. on our own values. Whereas probably earlier on in my career, I guess is when I look back on it, on things, when I worked for companies, I didn't believe in the values. Um, they were just, they were just things written down on a piece of paper or something they had on a plaque on the wall. And, the, and I suppose Sam's point, echoing back to that, really, maybe why I switched off to values and mission statements is because I never worked anywhere where I, tr- I felt truly 
did you feel part of that value? Embrace them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's it, isn't it? And you think, you know, it's no mistake or accident that Ars took the best part of six months to absolutely hone in. Yeah, but I think I think it's an example when you say like you know one of ours is we refuse to stand still, and I think one of the places I worked at previously had a very similar uh, essence of of what they were trying to say anyway, Um, but then they did everything exactly the same how they'd always done it, and you sit there you you sit there going you can't put that on the wall and then hark back to the the archaic ways of, uh, of of professional services in that sense. So I think there's a lot of truth. It's the same with agencies, you know. I will. You know, for every agency that's got a, a unique and set of values that reflect them individually, you'll have five agencies that say they're passionate and creative. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> guarantee yeah. you'll see yeah. it there. Just, we are passionate, right? Yeah, okay. that's a given. We are creative. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like back to the story. You know, an accountant who's good with numbers. You kind, it's kind of yeah. part of the job description. Well, I think we say we find ourselves saying a lot. It's just table stakes, isn't it? And I know that's something. Fully, one of the phrases I've used that many times in that many different meetings with clients now. When they say this makes us different, and you go, no, it doesn't. It, doesn't. it doesn't. absolutely doesn't. Yeah, it really doesn't. Um, and sometimes it's the combination of a few things. I do think when you put them together. But okay, cool. Um, I think that's been really interesting. And thanks for giving us a different perspective, Sam. So thanks, thanks for thanks for joining yeah. us. Um, Thank you very much for having me. No, no problem. Um, in terms of checking us out, feel free to find us and follow us on www.b2bknowledge.com, um, our ungated content hub, um, helping our clients, prospects, um, and contacts navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Um, and we'll be back next week. We are purposely trying to stay clear of COVID-related topics, um, albeit. I have a funny feeling marketing through or during a recession, maybe one that we pick up in due course, having seen what could be on the horizon. So that could be an interesting one as well. So uh, stay tuned and we'll see you all soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.